0: The reality is, for me, it all starts with adventure. And so my adventures are long and winding, but I'll make this straight and brief. Uh, you know, in my 20s, I was a disaster, basically. An addict, an alcoholic, and just in a mess, basically, and trying to figure out where the hell to go. And. My first son was born, and I, you know, I made a decision. I didn't want to raise kids in the kind of atmosphere that I was creating, the chaos that goes with addiction. And so he, he kind of changed things for me. And once I got it together, I started running. And I started going to you know, recovery meetings, and those two things kind of became the linchpins of my, of my life. Every business, whether or not they realize it, is an idea
1: business. The people at Gray have a long history of creating famously effective ideas. And so, with Gray Matter, we explore the ideas shaping our world. We ask creative minds from all corners of life how they came up with their best ideas. And that's what matters for Gray Matter. So for those of you who haven't run across the Sahara Desert with the full support of Hollywood icon Matt Damon, this episode is gonna be a bit of a revelation. Hi, I'm John Petrolis, Worldwide Chief Creative Officer at Gray. And for this episode of Grey Matter, Gray's innovation leader, Dan Bennett, interviews author and Water.org founder, Charlie Engel. This episode was tough to edit because there's no part of Charlie's story that isn't extraordinary. And he is indeed the first human to ever run across the entirety of the Sahara Desert. And yet, the focus of his discussion with Dan was about his concept for Water.org and how he created massive impact with impressive support. Water.org is an effort that has empowered more than 21 million people with access to safe water and sanitation. And because access to safe water can turn problems into potential, unlocking education, economic potential, improved health, the effects of Water.org transcend stats because the idea has completely changed lives. Today we'll hear from Charlie about how personal fitness and health, physical and mental, can provide the clarity and drive for ideas, how cultural exploration can simply inspire the most meaningful ideas, and how examining and challenging the impossibility of an idea is exactly how amazing things become reality. This is Charlie Engel.
0: Running, you know, fed that need for me that uh, addiction never could. Like, it, it filled this place in me because addiction is about being, like, invisible and having no feelings. And running is the opposite. Running is like feeling everything all the time and you have to be fully present. So I began to run all over the world then. I I decided, okay, if a little bit of this is good, then a lot is gonna be awesome. And I started to do 50 milers and 100 milers and then running hundreds of miles across like oceans and deserts. And you know, it does come back to this one basic idea that even in addiction, all of the best lessons that I learned, all the things that really taught me anything worth knowing came from struggle and suffering. And I think most people would say that whether they really recognize it. You know, the things we talk about that are formative are the things that we fought our way through, right. not the things that came to us easily. Yeah. So I took that lesson and that's where the running came from. I don't love running all that much. I, I always say I like stopping. Yeah. <laughs> but what I learned was that I could put myself in sort of a self-imposed mission of creating some hardship and suffering, you know, that I wasn't going to die from. I might feel like it sometimes. but at the same time, I got the other part of my life fulfilled, which is I, I like to call it cultural exploration. You know, I ran in 45 countries and I I was seeing the world in slow motion from the soles of my feet. And that's kind of where, Uh, This idea of running across, you know, one day I was doing a race in the Amazon and a guy I'd never met before said to me like, hey, you ever thought about running across the Sahara Desert? And I always make the joke that it's like, you know, things that strangers say to us even on a subway or an airplane can actually change the course of our entire lives. You don't know who's gonna say that thing. I told him it was the dumbest idea I'd ever heard. Like, literally, I said, that's ridiculous. Nobody could do that. It's not possible. And I couldn't stop thinking about it. And uh, ultimately, ended up deciding that I was going to be the first person ever to run across the entire Sahara Desert nearly 5,000 miles. I just was driven by that type of need for exploration and for seeing the world and other cultures. I credit my mother, who passed away a couple of years ago, with sort of planting that seed for me. And I think it came from this idea that she... Like, she taught me how to think, but not what to think. Right. Tell us about the genesis
2: of that idea and what your first steps were in bringing that to life.
0: Yeah, it's... Man, it's so amazing, of course, how things line up if you just put it out there into the universe. So big ideas are, are very often, at least for me, ideas that even I am not sure have a possibility but but i do know that every time i told somebody i was going to run across the sahara and they told me it was impossible yeah. i felt myself dig in a little more and i let them fully own the impossibility of it and i took possession of everything that was possible i mean i actually craved people telling me it wasn't going to happen eventually a friend of mine introduced me to james Mall, a hollywood director uh-huh. And he had won the Academy Award for Best Documentary. And I go in and I'm telling him this crazy story about running across the Sahara. And he's like, sure, I'll do it. I, I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, I want to make a film about this. A week later, he calls me and says, hey, I just hung up with Matt Damon. And Matt Damon says he'd like to executive produce the film and narrate. Like, would that be OK with you? Total deadpan, three seconds of silence. I said, yeah, I was really hoping for somebody better. <laughs>
2: My, I was talking my, about <laughs>
0: <laughs> My mad Damon will be just fine. Yeah, sure, why not? That's awesome. So, and and I say all that mostly because. I believed in the story like I just kept telling my story like the narrative stayed the same and eventually people were attracted to it. And... Wasn't there a moment in Entourage where Matt Damon uh, forces one yes. of the guys to donate money yes. to the dog? That actually you that's so yeah. funny that you remember that. Yeah, I do. Absolutely. Yes. That that was a great episode and that's a
2: great that's a great example of, a, of attraction, right? The idea yeah. that you can put it out there and it has it,
0: it, it would resonate within within culture. So I had to go do a scouting trip about a year before this run across the Sahara. And I was going to run across Senegal, Mauritania, Mali, Niger, Libya, and Egypt, like six African countries, the entire Sahara Desert from the Atlantic Ocean to the Red Sea. And I I was going to go scout part of the route. And this is what changed everything. I drove into this little village called Agadez in Niger, and it's about 25,000 people right in the center, I mean, the geographic center of the Sahara Desert. And I get out and and you can just see the uh, beat down look on people's faces and just, I mean, they were actually very uh, excited to see me because not that many Westerners visit. A lot more Europeans, almost no Americans go there. but. You know, I get out, and in a typical fashion, you know, they, they're they accustomed, if they do see someone get out of a car, you know, they're going to come up and ask, you know, with a handout. Right. Like, and I don't, that's normal. I don't take any kind of, I don't have a feeling about that. Um, but... I became so incredibly aware right away of the, the fact, simple fact that there was no water in this village, like all the wells in this entire region were drying up. And it wasn't because there wasn't water, but it was underground and it needed to be accessed and that takes money. Mm-hmm. And so many well-meaning, you know, churches, organizations, rotary clubs, whatever it might be, you know, they go raise their $10,000 and they go to the desert or whatever, and they, they dig a hole and they create a well, but they don't create the ability for the people who live there who are going to be using it to actually maintain it right. or to fix it. Right. So, you know, two years later, the pump handle breaks yeah. and what was a godsend all of a sudden becomes an even bigger catastrophe than yeah. what they had to begin with. So, I knew right away that the mission needed to be let's see if we can do it better. And I had the luxury, of course. Of, I had the idea, but I also had this guy named Matt Damon that I knew, you know, could help if I could just get myself all the way across right. the Sahara Desert. Right. And so the, the big idea in my case really slapped me, you know, in the face, and it was undeniable. There was nothing else because everything. They lack education, they lack jobs, they lack all these things. But without water, you can't even begin to build those things. Sure. So to focus on anything else but water just simply made no sense. Uh, how
2: did you first start to pursue that? Was that was it a matter of reaching out to Mr. Damon and working that out, or did you have a, a plan in your place that sprung to mind pretty quickly?
0: Actually I had a you know, I had a plan. And the most obvious plan, which is sort of, it wasn't as simple as it sounds, but hey, we need to raise some money. And so I knew that this run across the Sahara Desert had at least the potential to raise some funds. But but I want to make one thing like super clear. I am not like, you know, I'm not this, you know, amazing philanthropist. I mean, first of all, I don't have that much money of my own. Um, I don't know that I'm all that uh, generous a person. I mean, I think I am to a certain degree, but but the fact is, what I recognized is I wanted to do this adventure. Like that was what it, that was where my passion was. And if I could do the adventure and do the nonprofit, the water side, and help some people along the way, then that's what I wanted to do. But ultimately, this was a simple thing, and I think it's what people miss sometimes. They want to change the world, but but they don't incorporate what is truly their passion. Like, I love to run. I do. I love to run. Despite what I said a minute ago, I like to see the world from the soles of my feet. So yeah. for me, I wanted to run across the desert. The obvious match was, let's bring clean water to this place. So we raised, I and really, I did most of this part. I raised a little over $6 million during the run. And afterwards, showing the film running the Sahara. I went around the country screening this film. And, you know, Matt was involved uh, at that point. But what we realized, too, is collaboration was the other key. And I, th- I think experience tells me that's the other mistake that a lot of people make. They so desperately want to, and I'm doing air quotes here, own their idea so much that they missed the obvious collaborations that could actually put it on hyperspeed. So we partnered with USAID, we partnered with um, the United Nations, we partnered with these folks to identify and locate the, the places around the world, I mean, where we were going through in the Sahara, I mean, that, that really had the greatest need. And we began to zero in and narrow our focus on those spots. We recognize also, I did very early, is okay, we now have $6 million, so who's going to administrate this? I'm not a, you know, the last thing you'd want is me, you know, trying to, like, figure out how to run that business. Like, I envisioned myself going back to Africa, like, with a shovel and digging wells by hand, which also wasn't going to be a good use of time. But ultimately, what I did was go out and find... Uh, I have to say a fellow Tar Heel, you know, I'm a Tar Heel, I went to Carolina. And so I found a guy named Gary White. He and I had met and he had an incredibly um, amazing and smart nonprofit called Water Partners. And we collaborated and ultimately I brought Matt Damon and Gary White together and Now, uh, water.org actually surpassed a billion dollars in funding last
2: year. And so,
0: and it all, and the point that I think is so important for what you and I are talking about is quite simply that it was born out of the idea that some knucklehead just wanted to run across the Sahara Desert. It was that simple. Like, I, I found the thing I wanted to do and then figured out how to create more out of it that could be helpful and for me it would it wouldn't work the other way around i i couldn't engineer the nonprofit and then figure out how to go do something meaningful i i needed that passion
2: but interestingly as well having had that idea you pretty early determined that you were going to let big chunks of that idea go to your point you were going to find the right partners and and let the thing sort of fly as quickly as possible, which I think often there's a tendency, especially in the infancy of a big idea for people to feel like, they want to guard it like
0: a fifth grader guards sort of their homework, right? Well, I I you bring up such a great point because I started two other companies in, in my twenties, you know, that were just companies. They weren't nonprofits, yeah. but they were companies, and um, and I owned a hundred percent of those companies and I doggedly kept a hundred percent of those companies, yeah. and that's exactly why neither of them exists anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because I was so I didn't understand the lesson of, you know. You know, owning 20% of a huge thing was way better than owning 100% of a tiny thing. 100% of nothing, Right. right. And with a nonprofit, of course, it wasn't, you know, I've never earned, like quite literally never earned a dollar, not one out of this. Not one penny has ever come my way through this, nor should it. And where I take such amazing, like I get satisfaction every day from knowing that pretty much all the people that are benefiting from the clean water that that I helped bring have no idea who I am. Right. They don't care. I don't want them to care. Like, there's no, there's no nothing there. It's it just I get to wake up every day being the guy that had the crazy idea, you know, to run across a desert. At what
2: point in this journey for Water.org were you able to step back and realize that you had set this thing off, that it, it was going to be successful, it wasn't going to be... Uh, it, it probably wasn't going to fail.
0: Yeah, it was. It was pretty early on. I'll be honest. I mean, first of all, I had zero communication as we're going across the Sahara. Yeah. I, I should take two seconds here and just also for those listeners who don't wouldn't know this. So I, I survived the run across the Sahara. Yeah. So I'm, I'm sitting here now. Yeah. So it was nearly five thousand miles, and I ran uh, two marathons per day for hundred and eleven consecutive days. Across the Sahara, and so um 111, 111 consecutive days of basically 50 miles per day, every single day, and I think it's—I think I'm answering your question in a different. I sound like a politician. I'm not answering the question you asked me, but day seven, I. And I had a team. I had two other guys that were running with me and we all three ran the entire way and having teammates complicates everything. It doesn't simplify it. But on day seven, my two teammates were on IVs. Two of my support people had quit. We had run out of water. We'd been lost in stand store. Like this, this huge expedition was over. Like, basically over. Like, we had... Seven days in. Seven days in. We had done a dive into the abyss, and I was so caught up in, like, oh, my God, this is going to be so embarrassing, and it's the biggest failure ever, and I was getting pressure from production. You got to speed it up, and it was 140-degree ground temperatures every day in Mauritania. And I think the point of that that people forget, when you have an idea, you know, Mike Tyson, what's that famous quote? Everyone has a... I do until they get punched in the mouth. Gets punched in the mouth, right. And that's what happened. We got punched in the mouth like several times. And what I realized was this simple thing. I had been so focused on not so much the glory, but I mean, I had imagined myself putting my feet in the Red Sea on the other side of Egypt so many times. I was already there. And I was so like desperate to keep going and I realized that just like with my sobriety we've all heard the one day at a time uh mantra just like sobriety I couldn't run tomorrow's miles today I had to just get out of my head and focus on what was right in front of me and so I got up on day eight and I ran a marathon in the morning and that's all I thought about like all I thought about Mm.
2: as you were um you know, developing this thing and bringing in external partners that came in to help run this thing, were Were there any moments on, on the water.org org side where you were given, you know, any advice that you remember, anything that you took to heart during that time that helped bring that idea to life?
0: Yes, and it actually came from a very, very strange place, like not from any uh, industry insider or long... It came actually from my, my AA sponsor... Oh nice. Yeah. <laughs> Cuz we were talking about it and it's it's funny you bring it up because I I did. You know, of course I had fears and I you know, I worried that I don't know, the same stuff that we all worry about. I mean, how we're going to look and what something's going to make us look like and right. this and that and um and I was thinking of uh pulling myself, you know, not necessarily like quitting per se, the the I was on the board and all this but I was just thinking about making some changes because it felt, it felt like, um, it felt weird to me. And he like, I was in a down moment is what it was really was going on. And he basically just gave me the simplest advice and and it's fairly obvious, but he said, look, never, never, ever make a decision at a low moment and, and never, ever make a decision at a high moment. That's great. Let that moment pass because those aren't real moments. Like we all spend, I mean, and this applies to addiction, too. People relapse usually because they've hit a wall or a bump or a friggin' hurricane or whatever. You know, job loss, breakup, all the stresses of life. And in that moment, the answer seems like giving up. And almost always, actually not almost, always, if you can just let that moment pass, just let it pass. Go to bed. Get up the next day. If you still want to, pay, you know, if you still want to quit, then maybe there's something to it. But but the vast majority of the time, you know, you don't feel that way in the light of day.
2: That, that is a, that's a poster, right? But the idea of not making decisions during your lowest or your highest moments is brilliant. So thank him or her on my behalf I, as well. I will. I will be saved. And that is
0: when we I, usually make the decisions, We're the, and usually the worst decisions I, I, of our lives. All, 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 all the time, you're exactly right. <laughs> Screw that, this. That is the case.
2: Exactly <laughs> Screw is you. A, that's exactly right. <laughs> I quit. Right. Let's talk... Briefly about the uh, green.org, launch.
0: Yeah, and so I took the model of running the Sahara and the creation of water.org and got together a couple of amazing guys, a guy named Brian Ingram, who's my partner on this, and um, and we have created green.org, and green.org will, uh, again, I have no idea... That's the beauty of it. I have no idea if we'll raise ten dollars or ten million. You know, we're gonna to try to figure it out. Yeah. Um, this time, there's no Matt Damon, at least not yet. But the idea is very simple. It's it's using technology, much more tech heavy. Uh, organization to try to solve problems you know, on the ground. And the fact is, I'm running across seven continents, but each of the continents has a different set of problems. So it's not always water. Sometimes it's environmental. Sometimes it's human rights. Our goal is to do the same thing we did at water.org, which to in- empower the people who live in those places to to create solutions for their own problems.
2: It's an amazing mission, incredible mission.
0: I appreciate it. Mm. How
2: did it feel to put your
0: feet in the Red Sea when you were finished? Man, okay. So, the answer that I feel like you, you want, and I know you're not, I know you well enough already to know you don't want, and necessarily, you want the real answer. I want answer. the real answer. Sad. Yeah. Wow. Sad. Yeah. I actually did an interview with NPR and I didn't know I was going to say this, but she sort of asked me the same question and I burst into tears. I'm about to cry now. I mean, I'm I'm not kidding. <sighs> Cuz the end of a journey is so poignant and and it's so cliché to say it's the you know, it's the it's the route along the way and not the finish line that matters, but finishing stuff is always so anticlimactic. Yeah. Like, it's just not the thing. The thing is the getting there. And I knew in that moment that if I my feet touched that water, I could turn around and run across the same... I could turn right back around and go the other way, and it would never be the same. Yeah, only get to do it one. Yeah, you only get one shot. And I I contend that we all spend our lives sort of chasing those first experiences. And so you, you, you really need to be present and to pay attention to the process that you're in while it's happening and not stay so focused on on the end because the end can be a letdown. I mean again, I was joyful to have and and incredibly proud and satisfied that we got this thing done. You know, but I but I knew that that part of my life was basically over and and I was a little sad about that. Thanks, Dan. That was, that was
1: amazing. So, so it seems like central to the story is the idea of doing something visceral and physical to get yourself into a place that can lead to something very pure and simple as an idea. Um, is that, would you take that away from this conversation?
2: Yeah, I think coming out of it in particular, that's exactly what I took away from it. He is inspired, motivated through his own personal story to go to pretty extreme lengths, yeah. right? And that's yeah. brought to life in a physical sense for him. But I think the process of him doing that helped him realize that throughout that journey, he was able to think about, focus on an amazing idea, bring that idea for, to, to life in a way that would benefit co- now countless other people yes. and stick pretty doggedly to it.
1: Do you think it's the repetition of the task that puts you in the mindset to get you to an idea?
2: I think... I don't know if that's the case purely for Charlie I think for him the repetition of a task regardless of whether it's running across the Sahara or uh, you know running 100 miles a morning or whatever a day whatever it happens to be the repetition of the task is core to how he delivers it but I think it's probably the the nature of what he's doing that gives him that I suppose some sort of mental clarity as he speaks about to um, deliver on these things he wants to do. Water.org being a pretty strong example not just it's it's one example and it's the example we focus on in this podcast but um there are a lot of other initiatives he's since gone off to pursue based on finding that mental clarity during that repetition of task as you put it
1: i think it's that that which you're hitting the mental clarity uh i don't think this is uncommon with a lot of people who live off their ideas is finding the thing that allows you that clarity and that simplicity that lets your mind Leap or make those lateral leaps yeah. to to the ideas that kind of keep propelling you forward.
2: That's actually fascinating. If you think about if you if you have that focus, I guess it perhaps perhaps from an ideas point of view, it does give you that mental bandwidth. Yeah. To go and find yeah to to go and explore the new to go and test new ideas. To, yeah, I think that's he brings it to life in a very different way than some of our other guests have through a very physical endeavor. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that's a, that I think you're right
1: that's an amazing story. Um, how can how can how where, where can people go to help support water.org? I'm going to let you and our listeners in on a little secret about um,
2: something called the uh, information superhighway. Mm, I've um, heard about it, yeah, I've no, heard hints of it. I think it's going to take off. Yeah. If you go to water.org, um you can find ways to donate, fundraise, uh, and even just shop to support the cause that Charlie uh, came up with and uh, help support Uh, getting water into those remote locations.
1: That's great, we'll all do that. Uh, Thanks a lot for doing this, Dan, and thanks everybody for listening to Gray Matter. For more from founders, creators, and inventors and how they thought up their ideas, be sure to subscribe to Gray Matter on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Rate and review and tell everyone you know about the show, and tell everyone who loves water, which is, I think everyone loves water.
2: I'm drinking it right now.
1: Yes. Follow Gray's social pages for more information about Gray, and new upcoming podcast episodes, and thanks all for listening to Gray Matter. Gray Matter is hosted by John Petroulis, produced by Graham Nolan, Christina Torres, and Joey Scarillo. Mixed at Townhouse Studios, Gray is a global creative agency whose mission is putting famously effective ideas into the world. Check out more at Gray.com.